Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to do something today that I've always wanted to do. At least I've wanted to do it for some time, but never were a- was able to do it. And that is this. We are going to have a two-part sermon today. Now, the first part is going to be primarily exegetical. And that means we're going to be reading the Bible. So, if you have a Bible app, open it. If you have a Bible in your hand, open it up to 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't have a Bible app, may I recommend the Faith Life Study Bible app, which you can get by simply scanning the QR code on the screen. If that's not quite your cup of tea, or you don't have access to that, or you can't do that, that's okay. Um, Just follow along the best you can. But I know it's crazy. We're actually going to look at the Bible today, and we're going to look at it in a little bit more depth than what we're used to. Now, while you guys are doing that, while you guys are opening up your Bible, downloading your Bible app, or getting to 1 Corinthians 13 in whichever way you can, I'd like to start with maybe some introductory notes. 1 Corinthians 13 is a very loved passage. But we need to look at it in context, and that's kind of what we're planning to do today, at least as we start. Again, this is a two-part sermon. So one of the things that you need to be aware of is that it's not written in a vacuum. There's actually context that goes along with it. Paul is writing to a group of Christians in a town of Corinth. And this particular group of Christians had some issues. And some of those issues had to do with the fact that they were not together. They were, they were kind of piecemealing themselves off into separate corners, if you will. And in fact, starting in chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about certain gifts that they have. He calls them spirituals, and he also calls them charisma. And this word is translated in your Bible as spiritual gifts. So... He's talking about the various gifts that they have received. But there's something interesting about these gifts. The Corinthians are using them wrong. Instead of of talking about building the church up, and instead of talking about how they're going to come together as a group of Christians, they're, they're, they're tearing themselves apart because they're saying, well, my gift is better than your gift. And if my gift is better than your gift, then that means I must be higher up than you. See, that's not building a church. That's not building each other up. That's tearing each other down. And it's in this context that Paul, talking about various spiritual gifts, gets to chapter 13. Now, if I speak of tongues, of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. We see right off the bat what Paul is doing. Paul is making sure that they understand that out of all the spiritual gifts that they have, all of them that they have, love is the most important. Love is the primary. But there's some other things in this passage that my guess is is you never really paid attention to or thought about. Don't worry. Don't worry. All of us do it. All of us have read this passage so many times. We've heard it at weddings. We've heard it all over the place. But we've never really paid attention to some of the very specific things. Now, 
Again, I'm not going to cover everything, but I do want to make some highlights for this part of the sermon. If we go to, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Love is the primary. But jump ahead to verse 8. If we look at verse 8, I want to highlight this, the first one here. Let's see. I think I'm going to get it right. Love never ends. This is actually a really important thing. We're going to talk about this just a little bit more towards the end of this section. But love never ends. Notice that. All the other spiritual gifts, all of them, end. But not love. Love does not end. But then notice, prophecies, they're going to pass away. Tongues cease. Knowledge, pass away. But notice how he starts in verse 9. We know. First things first, who, are, who is the we? Paul, throughout Corinthians, will use we in two different ways. The first way is whenever he's talking about Christians, fellow Christians, the church, Christians. He says we as a group, we are the Christian church. This is us. The second way he does it is when he's talking about apostles. That is to say, the ones that have been sent by Christ himself. The disciples would be considered this. They've been sent by Christ himself. Others were sent by Christ himself. And Paul, on the road to Damascus, was sent by Christ himself. Those that have been sent by Christ. Which way is he using it here? Well, he talks about prophecy. He talks about how they prophesy. Not all Christians prophesy. So it seems that Paul here is using this to mean we apostles. Unique fact. If you scour through scripture, you will find several instances of the apostles using spiritual gifts, things like prophecy, tongues, and the like. You will find examples of the apostles passing on that gift to others. However, nowhere in Scripture do you see somebody who has had that gift passed on to them then pass it on to somebody else. I want you to notice one, other thing, one more thing with this verse before I move to the next, and that's this. Perfect. This is a good word. This is a good translation. However, Sometimes it doesn't quite do it justice. The word perfect in the ancient Greek literally means complete. The complete thing. So here's kind of in summary what Paul is saying. Right now, they only have part of the testimony. They only have part of the words of God. But there's going to come a time when they have the fullness of those words. The complete words. And when they have the fullness of those words, they won't need to prophesy anymore. Remember, when this is being written, there's no Gospels. No Gospels have been written. Most of these churches maybe have one or two letters of Paul at most. Some of them have a few other letters here and there, but that's all they have. And Paul is saying, look, we don't have all the testimony yet, but once we have all of it, some of these things are going to pass away. 
And when that happens, the partial will pass. They know in part, eventually they're going to know fully. And then I wanted to highlight this as I kind of come to conclusion with this part of the, the sermon, and that's this. I'd like to notice how it ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. Why these three? Well, if tongues pass away, and if prophecy passes away, and some of those other things pass away because they're no longer needed, what's left? Faith. Our faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, where we put our, our hope, our trust in Him, and hope, our hope in what He is giving to us, that He is reconciling us to our Heavenly Father, our hope in our heavenly home, and love. But remember when I pointed out in verse 8 where it says love never ends? Well, that means faith and hope have to end. And it's true. There will come a time when faith and hope will end. When we stand before our Creator, we do not need to put faith in Him because He's right there. Remember, in the book of Hebrews, we are told faith is to believe in something hoped for that is not seen. At that point, we will see. We will see our God face to face. We will not need faith. Heavenly hope? We won't need heavenly hope for we will be in heaven. So we won't need it. So those two will pass away. But love? Love never passes away. That's the end of this section. So let us now continue with our sermon. There's a very overdone and infamous joke. And it begins with a panda walking into a bar. Now, nobody ever asked why the panda's walking into the bar. That's just assumed. I, I, I've never understood that. What, what was the panda doing? You have a walking, talking panda that can speak English. Is he on a road trip, just happens to stop by the bar? I, I don't get it, but whatever. The panda bear walks into the bar. He orders some food. He gets the food, he eats, and then after that, he begins to shoot bottles behind the bartender. And the bartender is completely horrified, and then the panda just gets up like he's going to leave. And the bartender says, what, what are you doing? Why did you just do that? And the panda says, look me up in the dictionary. And sure enough, the bartender, when he finally catches a break in, in his Fear kind of decreases, looks it up in dictionary definition. It says panda bear, bear that eats, shoots, and leaves. And so sure enough, oh, it's a groaner, right? Right? The reason I say it's an infamous joke is because they've, they've even had books written on this joke. The, the double meaning of words, the, the manipulation of context to make you think something other than what the actual definition is, to give us that aspect. And there are thousands of jokes that are based on the same principle, the same idea, the same understanding. The idea being, once you add a different context into something, some words and some jokes can mean something completely different. Sometimes we do this with Scripture. We fail to look at what the underlying meaning of an actual text is, and we simply take the words for what they are, and we begin to think all kinds of crazy thoughts. Sometimes they're really good thoughts, but they're simply misapplied to a text. 
The text that we have before us, the one that we just got done kind of going through, is a beautiful text. We love it. It's one of our favorite passages. We've heard it at weddings. We've seen it in movies about weddings. Maybe it was at your wedding. And we love this passage. It's very beautiful. It's very romantic. It's very, well, it doesn't sound like Paul at all, which is kind of the problem. How do we get a text that sounds so beautiful, so gorgeous, so wonderful, but yet it doesn't seem to sound like what Paul is, is, is normally like? And how do we deal with that? You see, you see, as a pastor, there's always a little hesitancy to bring this up because sometimes there's backlash. You know, everybody has those beautiful images that are hanging on their walls and they just love this passage. You don't want me to ruin it for you by telling you what it, what it means. And so... And so we look at a passage like this, and sometimes we miss the mark. We misunderstand what it means. This passage, as I mentioned earlier, is all about the fact that these early Christians were not building up the church. They were talking about their spiritual gifts, and they were using them to tear the church down. And I think that gives us a lot of pause as Christians. In this room right now, we have a lot of spiritual gifts. We have a lot of people that have been blessed by our Lord, that have been blessed by God. And we have to begin to ask those questions. Are we using the gifts that God has given to us to build the church up, or are we not? Do we sometimes look at our fellow Christians as if they're lower than us? Do we sometimes look at our gifts and begin to think that somehow we're better than somebody else? Because if we do... That's what Paul is condemning. Paul is teaching us that love needs to predominate. That love is the spiritual gift that we receive that should predominate. And that love should cause us to build one another up. Should cause us to build our fellow Christians up. To build our church up. Now this love that's mentioned here. In Greek, there's several different words that can be translated as love. One of our favorites is, is philos, or like Philadelphia, brotherly love. This idea of, of, of loving each other as a good friend or as a brother. That's not this one. This particular version of love is the kind that comes from sacrifice of self. It's the love that's applied to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That he sacrificed all for our sake. Paul is calling us as Christians to sacrifice for one another for the sake of each other and for the sake of the church. To build each other up. Paul is calling us as a church. He's calling the Corinthian church. He's calling us out of love. Now, part of the reason that I wanted to highlight some of those exegetical comments is because it also means that there's some other aspects of things, right? There are going to be some of those spiritual gifts that have passed away. It shouldn't surprise us, knowing that we have the full revelation of God, we really don't see some of these things anymore. It shouldn't surprise us. But what should surprise us is that sometimes as a church, we don't act in love. Because out of all of these gifts... The three that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the one that should be our guiding principle in all these things should be love. And we have been given the greatest example of love. 
When our Lord, when our God, our Heavenly Father sent His Son to die on a cross for us. That was done out of love. He gave all the greatest sacrifice for you. That you could be reconciled with Him. The reason that we have a heavenly hope is because our Lord died on the cross for our sins and for our sake, giving to us salvation. That salvation which we could not have gotten on our own. And so it is out of that love and it is out of that sacrifice that He has given so freely to us that we as Christians are called to walk in that way. We are called to walk in a manner of love. Sacrificing of ourselves for the sake of others, for the sake of the church, always out of love. We can't achieve this. We, we, we won't succeed. But as we are called Christians, we need to try. And we need to realize that the working of the Holy Spirit in us calls us to love one another. I know this is hard. I know it's challenging. It was challenging for those Corinthians even back then. But this is what we are called to do. We are called to walk in love, always reminding ourselves and always being remembered, gathering around His Word and His sacrament to be strengthened that as we walk as Christians, we are to know that our Lord died for us and for our salvation, that we, we have been reconciled with Him. And knowing that, we are to step forward in grace. We are to step forward in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, let us now stand.